Welcome to Page It to the Limit, a podcast where we explore what it takes to run software in production successfully. We cover leading practices used in the software industry to improve both system reliability and the lives of the people supporting those systems. I'm your host, Mandy Walls. Find me at LNXCHK on Twitter. Welcome back, everyone. This week I have with me Fred Harper, and welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Tell us a bit about yourself. Who are you? What do you do? I am a Canadian, a French Canadian living in Montreal in Canada. I've worked in techs for the last 20 years, the first 10 years as a software developer, the last 10 years, uh, because I think I'm part of the, you know, the 5% of developer, a social extrovert and know how to talk to a real human. <laughs> I move in developer relation <laughs> and uh, I work in a startup called Mindy, where we do uh, document data extraction using machine learning and computer vision. Oh, fantastic. Unfortunately, we're not actually here to talk about that. Today, we're going to talk about some mental health stuff. So for folks for whom this is a a tricky subject, um, if you want to give this episode a miss, we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode and we will miss you. And that's okay. Uh, For folks who are comfortable sticking around, we got a lot of things to talk about here. So tell us about your experience with mental health and how, how you got sort of into this as an interest for you. Yeah, you know, uh, I've seen a couple of issues when it comes to mental health, but also uh, neurodiversity. So, you know, I've been diagnosed with ADHD. Mm-hmm. And for the last, uh, I would say now, probably seven years, you know, uh, seven years ago, I had a major uh, depressive disorder. And recently, in the last couple of years, is still in depression, but, you know, kind of like a functioning depression, if I could say. So mm-hmm. I'm functioning, but still mainly depressed day to day. And with that, the beautiful thing came the uh, anxiety, which basically arrived at the same time of the depression. So, uh, you know, uh, anxiety, ADHD, uh, plus depression, it's an interesting mix. And, you know, when I hit the wall, uh, when I did my major uh, depression, I hit the wall and, you know, I'm in the generation or like probably, uh, hopefully maybe the last generation where, you know, men needs to be tough and men don't cry. And we don't really talk about those things because we don't want to look like, like we're not strong. We're not like a real male. So at the beginning, that was really hard for me to talk about that, talk about the fact that I was not going well, talk about the fact that life was, was really not going well for me, that I didn't like it. And even I had societal thoughts. So for me first, that was new. There were a part of me that was like me. Like, like I have a successful job. I was in a, a relationship that I thought was uh, going to be forever. And, you know, I, like I had good friends and, and family and everything was going well in my life, which what I thought. And so when I hit the wall, I was like, no, not me. And also, yeah, you know what? I need to be strong. So it really takes me a little bit of time to start to even talk to close people around me, the people that I love, that I trust and that I care about that. And I realized that, if it was hard for me, was like a super social extrovert person who my friends call a hover sharer on internet and Twitter and not even talk about those things. So even for me, that was like those topics were taboos or were difficult yeah. to talk about. I was like, okay, let's use the little visibility I have in the tech space or on social media. And first, just sharing my experience so people know that they're not alone. Uh, and I was also a little bit therapeutic for me because, you know, sharing is, is a way to writing down or, or, or 
putting your emotion or your thinking together and being able to write about what's happening. But at the same time, the idea was really to try to make it less taboo and show people that, again, they're not alone in that. Yeah, absolutely. Like anecdotally, I think, at least in amongst sort of the folks that I know, my friends, my colleagues, there is a lot more awareness of the sort of more widespread mental health issues that that folks are experiencing. I have a lot of friends who are adult diagnosed ADHD, ADD, those kinds of things that were, it's kind of surprising, like how many folks are now are being diagnosed as adults in their 30s, in their 40s, and figuring out, oh, this is why I have felt this way my entire life. And had so many struggles before they got that diagnosis that it it seems so tough. ADHD is one of the neurodiversity that is probably the most well-known in terms of like, if you say ADHD to someone, they're like, yeah, okay, they know what it is. Or they think they know what it is. This is where it's the difference. But it's also, as far as I know from my own experience, the thing that people know the less about. Because, you know, when you say ADHD, there is always like two, three reaction. When I say I have a tension deficit and hyperactivity disorder, people are like, oh, yeah, uh, it's, it's, the, it's the thing of the, the century because like every kid's got diagnosed and like everybody is ADHD and, and like, oh, you know, Fred, like I'm losing my key once in a, my keys once in a while or uh, I, I struggle to have attention at some point or like we are all ADHD. And to a certain point, it's true. And I'm not a health professional, but I think it's uh, it's a spectrum. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we are all we all experience problems that that ADHD people experience day to day. But the difference is that for most of us, either you've been diagnosed or not, or you think you are, but you're not being diagnosed. If you are ADHD. It means that all those problems, first, there is a lot more issues coming with ADHD. You would be surprised to see like the full list. It doesn't mean that everyone got all of those issues that come with ADHD. But the thing is that it really causes us problems day to day in life. So it's really not just about losing my key. It's causing problem at work. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of people with ADHD that struggle to keep work for a, a longer time. Yeah. Or uh, in relationship, you know, uh, I, I will always remember the, the joke with uh, the man and the woman or the woman has to put the garbage out and, and the man is like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And finally, like it caused issues in the in the relationship or, or the other way around, uh, woman and man. And the thing is that, like, I really forget about the garbage because when you told me, I said, yes, but since I didn't do it right now. It was out of my mind because ADHD people have like short-term memory issues, but also long-term memory issues. So I have a really good memory for specific things Mm -hmm. and putting the garbage out is not one of those things. But uh, yeah, no, seriously, it goes from uh, uh, ADHD really, really is a big struggle. For me, I got diagnosed, I don't even remember, probably 15 years ago when I was like 25 or maybe 30. I'm not, not sure anymore with, uh, with the last couple of years where like, I'm not just like what happened with the time, Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. but it was not a surprise for anyone in my, my family, friends, or even myself. It was just good to have a professional a health professional confirm that like every, as you said, like mostly every problem that I had in my life since I was a kid were due because I had this issues in my yeah. brain. And, you know, it causes uh, poor impulse control, uh, hyperfixation, resistive sensitive disorder, uh, object permanence. Uh, I said long-term, short-term memory, emotion regulation, dis- 
regulation, you know, and I can continue the list time blindness. I'm, I'm really bad with estimating time. Or, you know, as I said, I don't even remember when I got diagnosed and it was an yeah. important thing in my life. Like sure. I, I don't, I have time blindness. So again, it causes problem in every part of my life. You know, now I'm, I'm lucky because I have people around me that understand uh, to a certain point that. So my friend knows that like, if they want to see me, they need to contact me because it's not because I don't love them. It's just because I also have, uh, how's it called? It's uh object permanence thing. So if the object of the person is not in front of me, it's like if the object of person does not really exist. So, okay. so my friend needs to contact me and I develop some like coping mechanism along the way, but you know, ADHD is a real struggle for people. And I'm happy that people start to talk a little more about that. Also, not just about like, Hey, yeah, I got trouble to listening to someone speak. Like there's a lot more than that, but it's still really not well known actually. Mm-hmm. That was going to be my, my next question is like, now that you sort of have this, at least this understanding, like what kind of things were, were like your next steps? Like what other, are there other tools that you use or like frameworks to help you out or like different approaches that help you in your life to, to deal with all these things? There is a lot of things. I would say, I, I would say probably the first thing, and I'm, I'm still not totally good with that. It's being nicer with myself mm. because there are things that are really not my fault. You know, all my life, I was like, I'm a lazy person. I'm probably a little bit lazy person. I'm a developer. We're all a little bit lazy, I think. But uh, in the end, it's really because, you know, I got less dopamine and I I, I need more dopamine to feel those kind of things. And there is literally part of my brain that is not... They're not rooted like a quote unquote normal brain or like someone who is not neurodiverse. So, you know, like just trying to be kinder with myself is one thing. Uh, Trying to, you know, understand that if something didn't work, it may not be my fault directly. Maybe just my brain, the way things are wired up there. When it comes to two coping mechanism, like I write everything down as soon as someone say that we do something or that there is a meeting, I put it in my calendar because if it's not there, it does not exist. It, it won't exist. happen. Yeah. I use the Pomodoro technique, uh, which is quite well known, but it's working uh, in 25 minutes bits, okay. uh, which gave me first, you work 25 minutes, you take five minute breaks, you work yeah. 25 minutes, you take five minute break. Uh, it's a little more than that, but it's the big picture. And that really helps me to first try to plan my day because if I say, okay, I'm going to work wait eight hours today, uh, it means 16 Pomodoro rows, like 16 times 25 plus five minutes. So, okay, with those 16 Pomodoro rows, what can I do? And I need to split my bigger tasks and smaller tasks. Yeah. So this is one thing also, like if the task is too big, like everybody is a little bit like, yeah, I don't know if I want to do that. Or like, like you procrastinate, but like ADHD, we're like, professional procrastinator <laughs> and you know quite often uh, ADHD is comorbid too so you're probably going to have anxiety or maybe depression so if we put all those things together sometimes it's really hard to start a, sta- a task especially when the task is not something that we're excited about or something that we really like to do so having bigger tasks splitting them it's really nicer and some days I'm, I'm going to do like a really good day and I'm going to be super productive at work other day not that much. And 
because it also affects the self-esteem. Sometimes I can finish the day and be like, oh, shit, like I, I did a lot of things, but not what I needed to do, but yeah. the promoter role, because I need to check the boxes when I'm done, because I wrote what I've done, like what I plan to do. Even if I did just half of it, at least I know that at the end of the day, oh, there is a half of my task that I've done. So yes, it's not perfect, but it really helps me to know what I work on. So we work in tech. Are there things that the the tech industry can do better to help folks who are neurodivergent and how they work and address some of the, the things that you were talking about? Like working Pomodoro, like I have lots of friends who work Pomodoro just because they have so many tasks to keep up with and, and other things like that. Are there other things out there that, that sort of tech companies or tech roles can be doing to help? I think the first thing would be like just being open to talk about that and just like get educated about those different uh, neurodiversity uh, issues that people can have. And we're trying to make the, the work environment a little more easy for uh, like the people like me and depending on like what are causing issues or not. So, you know, in my case, good example is the fact that I can work from home. Yeah. I've been remote for the last 10 years and working from home is a blessing to me because yes, I miss being in an office with people because I'm a people person, but working in an office, everything takes my attention. So it's it's nearly impossible for me to be really productive in an office. So, you know, when I go to the office, I know that my goal is just to meet people and, and, and like be with people and probably do meet things, but like I'm not going to be super productive. Uh, the fact that also uh, being a little more free when it comes to when you're going to work too, because sometimes my brain's going to work super well. Sometimes I'm not going to be able to focus at all and I want to be professional. So like if I need to be the, at the office or work from eight to five, but like from eight to 10, it's really not working. Uh, like I'm not delivering, so it's not good for me. It's not good for the business. But like, if I don't have like a strict rule about that and I'm like, okay, the morning that like at 8 a.m. it doesn't work for me and uh, around 10 I'm for whatever reasons, like I feel like this could be a little bit better. And I start my day at 10 and either I finish later or I catch up a little more in the other days, or it may not really matter also because uh, your company may not really check the number of of hours you work versus yeah. the, what you're producing is really helpful. So it's it's really also trying to yeah be aware that some people have those difficulty and trying to help or to find coping mechanism to help those people. So I would say it's a case by case, depending on like what's the issue, what problem you have and what things that a company could do to help. But it, it starts by educating yourself and listening to people, but the other thing is that it's not always easy also because not everybody is confident or I was going to say confident enough, but it's not the word. It's not feeling good enough to share about those things at work, but people are not because we're not always listening and it's, those topics are still taboo. And I can understand, like, you may not want, uh, especially ADHD people, because like, I don't know every, like all other possible issues, but like with ADHD, you probably don't want to tell your boss that you're not able to work all the time. <laughs> it doesn't really look good. But when you work with a great manager like I have right now and I had in the I was lucky to have in the past, they're like, hey, you know what? Like when you work, you produce and we don't care how many hours. It's more about like, are you able to deliver? Yeah. And I am. Yeah, definitely looking more for those sort of outcomes rather than just yes. like putting the hours in. Exactly. So thinking about that, thinking about the taboo subjects, and even as you're talking, like thinking back to when I was last working in like an office and like 
the open plan offices, I don't get any work done either. Like it's just yeah. ridiculous to listen to. Like I'm a natural eavesdropper. Like anywhere I go, I'm listening to someone else's conversation anyway. And I blame my mom for that because she's a big eavesdropper too. <laughs> like co-working spaces are even worse because I didn't even know these people. They work for some other company, but like all the walls are glass and I can see what they're doing. I'm like, Oh, that looks interesting. What's on their screen? Oh, here comes someone's dog. Oh, that person went downstairs to the coffee shop. And just on and on and on, like constant distractions. And like having that discussion then, like being able to talk with your coworkers or with your boss or even with the rest of your community about sort of these taboo subjects. How do you approach that? How do you frame that up for folks to to get to a point of like understanding, hey, you know, like this situation isn't good for me or like I need these other kinds of places to work and be comfortable? That's a big question. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I have like the perfect right answer. Because the thing though, is that you're going to talk to some people that are going to be super open about that. And they're mm -hmm. going to listen to you and they're going to believe you. But there's always people that think that they know more than you or that don't even believe that AD, like as an example, ADHD, people don't even believe that ADHD is a thing or depression. People are just like, what? just be more happy <laughs> like okay thanks you solve like all the world issues right uh, now i'm happy thank yeah. you nobody ever told me that i should be happy but it's really not easy i would say don't force yourself if you're not comfortable mm -hmm. and maybe try to gauge what's the level of perception of the people what's what's the openness of the people maybe by talking about other things that are happening in the world or uh, something that may not be related or that cannot be tied to you. So you can, you know, like just test the water to see mm -hmm. how it goes. And you know what, like try to find uh, people like me who would be more than happy to go talk about those difficult topics just yeah. to, you know, warm the room a little bit. So people know just a little more about things, about those things. And once you're going to go to talk, about that, about your own personal issues or things that are not working well at work for your specific person and specific like day-to-day -day, uh, struggle, uh, it may be a little bit easier. But the thing is that it's 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 you never know. It's it's flipping yeah. a coin because it can go super well, but it cannot go as well because again, people are not always open or educated on the topic, and it depends on their values and how people like how they get educated just overall or how like where you are also in the society like like we're in north america and it's a little bit more open than other places in the world but at the same time not always so uh yeah it's a, it's a big gamble so it, it's, it's i was going to say it's funny it's not really funny but like i do a lot of coffee chat with people often mental health come in the topic because people seem comfortable to talk those things with me because you know i'm really public about about my own struggle yeah. and I got asked quite often, like, should I tell people at work? And the answer is like, you know if you should yeah. or not, because that can be really helpful. Or uh, unfortunately, uh, you can probably like shoot yourself in the foot when you do that. So it's, yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's a gamble. For me, I'm, I'm quite uh, privileged to be able to do that because, you know, I'm a white dude in tech. So I, I, I have way more freedom than other people. And I've been in tech for a while. Uh, I think I have like a, a good background. So I'm at a point where I can just be like, hey, if you think 
it's an issue to have those problems. I'm not going to say the word I want to say, but yeah, goodbye. Have a good day. I'm going to go elsewhere. But it's really privileged to being able to do that. It's not everybody that are in the same situation. So really think about the pros and cons and what you may lose if you try that, if it doesn't go well. And uh, yeah, try to see if it makes sense for you. Yeah. I read a, a blog called Ask a Manager and she's like, questions come in from all over the place, but like there have been a few about should I share with my manager that this is why I'm struggling, that I do have, you know, these diagnoses and, and those kinds of things. And like, like you say, like North America, definitely different. Like there's certain legal ramifications and in the U.S. we have like the ADA and, and these sorts of things. Other countries have different protections and different labor laws and other places don't necessarily any. So it, it can be a really, really sticky issue for employees trying to work with their abilities and and how how they need to be accommodated with some of these totally and and you know like you're mentioning laws and and kind of like protection even when there is uh, you you know how people are like yeah "Yeah, okay you lose your job like now you need to prove that like they let you go because of that so even even when you are more protected it's not quite easy and sometimes it's just not part of the culture to talk about those things yeah. so like not every every city or every community is is at the same point when it comes to being open for your dad but even as we say like in north america i think we're better at that but we are way far from being good enough yeah. uh, because it's still not well seen it's still something negative when you talk about those things it's still like uh no like you you shouldn't take medication uh you should just do better eat better do more exercise and and those kind of tips that are that are good too but the thing is that like yeah we should normalize being able to take medication if you need to we should normalize uh going talk to a shrink or psychologist if you need to uh, actually, even if you don't need to, it's a really good thing talking to a, a psychologist, like having a third party person that don't really know you that's going to give you an objective answers or discussion with you that are going to help yeah. you to, you know, ask yourself the right question is, mm-hmm. is something beneficial, even if you don't have any mental health issue or, or any other struggle in your life, actually. Yeah, that too, like is something that like at least anecdotally feels like, especially after the past two years with the pandemic. And the drastic changes in a lot of culture for people who are who are used to one way of living and, and now things are drastically different, having a more frank discussion about mental health, about feeling burned out or stressed out or just really kind of struggling with everything that's going on on top of things. Do you feel like things are improving in the conversation over the past couple of years or is it still kind of I like I it's based on absolutely no statistic it's really my impression I have the impression that it's a little bit better since maybe the first to second half of the pandemic okay because even people that didn't have any mental issues or were not really struggling in life really got confronted by something new or in situation where even if you are part of the people who don't believe about this and everything, like you were still needed to stay home and not see people. And that was difficult for a lot of people. And even like, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, a lot of, of my introvert people were like, hey, we prepare for that. But even the introvert, like super introvert people were like at some point, like, okay, I need to get out. I need yeah. to see people. I need to have like, quote unquote, a normal life. So that was really hard 
for a lot of people, even people that did not got sick or that did not go in like critical condition, that was just not good for mental health. So I hope and I think and I think I've saw that people are, are a little more open about that because everybody got affected in a way or another during the last two, three years. It's this, I don't know if I can say that, it's kind of like the silver lining. We're like, okay, if we can at least be a little more open. I know it's, it doesn't go into balance, it, but like at the minimum, that could bring the fact that people is going to be just a little more open about that because they may have lived it. And, you know, I'm saying that and I'm not better than anybody. I was like everybody else before I hit the wall. I was like, like, you know, are you anxious? Like, just, just stop worrying about things. And I was like, I was that stupid person that gave that advice because I never lived it. And now... I'm anxious mostly all the time. And there is no way for me to get rid of that thing. Yeah. Like it's there. It's annoying. And even if I try to relax, if it, actually relaxing for ADHD people is really struggle. But like, even if I try things that like people tell you to do when you're anxious or stressed out, it doesn't work. It's just like it helps a little bit, but not that much. So once you live those things, unfortunately or fortunately, you're way more open about the topic. And I really like. I really hope that that openness is something that that is more welcome and also more part of everyday's life for, for everybody. Uh, unfortunately, based on the at least the last two three years. Yeah, it's been a whole thing. So one of the the questions we we ask on the show every week is we've covered a lot of ground. Are there any other say myths that folks might have about mental health in general or ADHD and in particular, other uh, sorts of things that you find out there in the world that you'd like to, to take this opportunity to sort of debunk for folks? I, I don't know if it's about myths. Actually, uh, one, of, one of the one or two things, you know, I already uh, talk about one is like, you know, the, the fact that you take medication is because you're not strong enough or you're not able to get over what's happening. No, medication is there to help you get better. So when you're feeling better, you can start to work on yourself. And maybe that means that in the future, you may not have to take medication anymore. And you know what? Maybe uh, you're going to have to continue to take medication. And the things I say to people, like I need medication to help me my, with my anxiety and my depression, but I also need medication to try to be able to be uh, just a, a minimal uh, productive member of the society for my ADHD. So would you tell someone who's wearing glasses, like, you know what, like just stop wearing your glasses and like, just try to see with your- Try to see better, yeah. Exactly, like what's the problem? Or someone who break their leg, like, hey, you should, yeah. you should not use the helper to walk or a cane, like just start to walk. So I really think that like, it's still super taboo or not well seen to take medication. So that's one thing. The other thing I would say is, it's not really a myth, but I would say be open about the topic and listen to people and try to help if you can. Uh, you know, people that just say things like, oh, I'm so tired of that life. One day I'm not going to be there anymore. Like you may be like, oh, he's feeling sad today. Never going to happen. But the thing is that you never know. So if you don't feel comfortable to have a discussion with people, there are like hotline or, or helpline that are there to help you. Even if it's not you, your case, like to try to get more information to be able to help the people you could help. Or maybe like just try to get the people that doesn't go super well to get the help they need without you having to be super invest if you're not comfortable about that. For folks out there who might be struggling or for folks who know someone who is struggling, are there specific resources that you can you can recommend or we can put some in the show notes for folks 
Um, I know the U.S. has a, a suicide hotline. I'm not sure what is available in Canada. Yeah, actually, actually, I would say mostly every country had one. Probably the best link is uh, on Wikipedia. There is, a, and I, I will share the link with you after. But Wikipedia has a page that lists all the outline for different countries, or sometimes just a Google search because some countries, depending on like the state or the province, they may have like a local line. Okay. Mm-hmm. Even at the city level, they may have one too. So I would say check that. But the best thing to do and, and the most important thing to do that is not always easy, it try to talk to a good friend, a close friend, or a good member of your family, someone you feel close, and someone who you feel comfortable enough to talk about any other topic, even if it's not this one, but at least try to, uh, because you need, you need to talk to people. And again, it's not easy at the beginning, but it's really the most helpful thing you can do is really try to talk to someone, not live everything that is happening to you on your own because it's difficult. And just sometimes, even if it's not just talking to someone, just being with someone you like or you love. Again, even if it's really difficult to go out of your place, ask people to come home for a coffee or, or watching TV together, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's just like being with someone else could be super helpful. Excellent. Fred, thank you so much for sharing all of this with us today. This is a a topic we don't normally cover on here, but I think it was very important to to talk about. I really want to thank you because it's because of people like you and Pager Duty talking, sharing about those topics that more people will listen to what we talk about. Uh, even if they don't listen to the podcast completely, they may grab bits of information that resonate with them or that can help them to live things a little bit better. And hopefully that will help to make that topic a little less taboo. But we have a long road ahead. And it's not it's not because people are bad. It's just like we need to educate. We need, the more we talk about that, the better it is. So having a platform like yours is really helpful to try again to make those topics less taboo. Excellent. Yeah. And we are trying. Uh, Pagery.org has a lot of programs that we do with nonprofits internally. We have mental health support with our uh, health benefits. Uh, it's, it's probably really the first company I've worked for that's been very explicit about including that as part of our, our health package here. So hopefully around the industry, things are improving. People are conscious about having this really a 360 view on your health. It's not just your physical health, but also your mental health and your emotional health as well for being a healthy human. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. We are all human after all. So, hey, you can do it. Excellent. Fred, thank you so much again for for sharing with us today. This has been great. That was my pleasure. For everyone else out there, I'm going to wish you wherever you are an uneventful day. And thanks for joining us. does it for another installment of Pager to the Limit. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Pager Duty, for making this podcast possible. Remember to subscribe to this podcast if you like what you've heard. You can find our show notes at pagertothelimit.com and you can reach us on Twitter at pagertothelimit using the number two. Thank you so much for joining us and remember, uneventful days are beautiful days.